Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform their businesses, stay relevant, meet the needs of their customers, and do the impossible every day. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely positively in the right place because this is where the best run. We are thrilled and excited to welcome a brand new series to the Game Changers radio family, Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers. Sponsor at SAP is Michelle Hickey, and we've been working closely with her colleague Vivian Wang to set the show up. So happy to be here, and we just can't wait to get started. So let me see what the buzz on the street is today. We'll give you an idea of what we're talking about. I found a quote uh, from somebody named Dan. Daniela Freda about tomorrow's cities. And here's the quote. Smart city applications must be aligned with where a city and its citizens want to go. So let's take a step back and look at what's going on in the world. Like never before, businesses are able to experience profit and purpose at the same time. You all know we talk about purpose a lot on Game Changers. We used to have a show called Game Changers with Purpose. So how are they doing this? Well, they can leverage intelligent technologies. And come on, you know, we're talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning and blockchain, Internet of Things, predictive analytics. They can use these technologies to do three things. Help the world run better. Who doesn't want that? Improve lives. That's part of running better. And, aha, grow their businesses. That's the profit we were talking about. Well, we're not just talking about businesses today. We're also talking about smart cities. They are entities. They are organizations. They are citizens, residents, entertainment, all kinds of civic organizations. So smart cities are on board. Purpose and profit. They're using Internet of Things, they're using big data, and they're using predictive analytics. What's the goal? We've heard many, many times here on our Game Changers radio shows and in predictions by the UN and other organizations around the world that we are going to see a massive urban expansion predicted for 2050. That's 2050. Now, we're here in the middle of 2019. It's really not that far away. So the goal is to build safe communities, thriving communities, smart communities, and now is the time to get started. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Let me tell you who my three experts are on the panel, and then we'll get started. In just a moment, it will be my pleasure to introduce you to Rubens Costa. He is the Connected Lighting Business Leader at Philips Lighting Signify. We'll find out who he is, what he does, and what his company is, and what his point of view is on this topic. Joining him is no stranger to Game Changers. He's been on several of our shows over the past few years. It's Dante Ricci. He is is the global public sector and smart cities marketing lead at SAP. That's a big business card, Dante. And rounding out the panel is another newcomer. Where We can't wait to find out where this gentleman has been. Stephen Jameson, he spells his last name J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N, head of sustainable business innovation for Northern Europe at SAP. So welcome to my three esteemed panelists. And let's kick off with the opening quotes they have sent me and find out how the quotes relate to our topic. So Rubens Costa has sent us a quote from Steve Jobs. 
Rubens, I didn't tell you that I know for a fact that I started the first Game Changers radio show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, on October 5th, 2011. And the reason I remember that, always, Rubens, is that about two hours after we finished the show, we found out Steve Jobs had passed away that very morning. So his end-of-life date coincides with the start of Game Changers. Just one of those facts. Anybody who doesn't know who Steve Jobs was, Stephen Paul Jobs, 1955 to 2011, American business magnet and investor, chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Apple Incorporated, chairman and majority shareholder of Pixar, member of the Walt Disney Company's board of directors, and on and on and on. Here's the quote Rubens has selected. Your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking. Rubens Costa, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Thank you, Bunny. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Thank you I'm for joining me. Our thrilled. Tell me something. This is an interesting quote. We're talking about reinventing life in business. You sent us a quote about doing great work. So why don't you connect the dots for me, please? Yeah, as uh, you know, as my uh, I mentioned in my quote, <clears throat> this uh, connectivity of machines in reality becomes connectivity at the end of the day of human beings. Right, and for us to achieve that level of um, uh, of life, uh, it requires a lot of work. It requires great work, and that's where we need to bring the passion for what we do. And when we believe that what we do is beneficial to human beings, then you become uh, become a, as a natural uh, great work for 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 the community. Very interesting. Now, now, tell me something, Rubens. We talk about being engaged in your work. We talk about workforce experience. We talk about companies giving their employees, their staff, their personnel at all levels the tools to do a good job, letting us be more independent and thinking about what we really want and how we can contribute. Um, the topic of smart cities, can we relate that to great work? Do you think more and more people, as we see this massive urbanization coming very soon, 30 years away is, for young people listening, it's really not that far away. For some of the others of us, I probably won't, I don't know if I'll live to see it, but anyway, think about it. But my point is, do you think that this applies to doing great work where people are saying, I want to live in a good, safe, thriving place. I want to be part of that. I want to leave a legacy of my work in my city, in my community. Do you think we can connect that together? Absolutely. I think it's the age of the transformation, right? So Mm -hmm. you see the technology moving so fast. Right. In the past 10 years, we did so much with technology, from the smartphones now to the connected. Uh, everything become an IP address. So you have from your phone as an IP address all the way up to your um, garage door, your refrigerator. And then a big part of the implementation of such a transformation, I think, is so uh, fulfilling for, for us. And when we Thank do you. that with a yep. passion and implementing that to the benefit of the community and the results, it's amazing to impact the citizens on the city. That's amazing to have them interact with the machines and having them leveraging on that technology to better mm-hmm. to get a better quality of life. That's uh, amazing, in my opinion. 
I like that. I like the word amazing, the wave. I love the excitement. Rubens, we have so much more to talk with you about. Thank you for opening the show with me. Appreciate it. Let's go slightly around the table to Dante Ricci at SAP. And Dante has sent us a quote from R. Buckminster Fuller. Those in the know used to call him Bucky Fuller. Richard Buckminster Fuller, American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, inventor, and futurist, published more than 30 books, lived from 1895 to 1983. Architect, as I said, and he popularized the terms spaceship Earth and dimaxion and ephemerization and synergetic and tensegrity. I'm not even going to try. But what's interesting to me, Dante, about Fuller is that he was the second world president of Mensa from 1974 to 1983. And I had a card as a member of Mensa years ago. Only went to one meeting. Couldn't deal with it, but I was a Mensa member, so there. So here's the quote Dante has picked from, from our book, Mr. Fuller. The purpose of our lives is to add value to the people of this generation and those that follow. Dante Ricci, how have you been? I've been great. I really appreciate you having me, and it's great to be with uh, the other guests. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about all their thoughts on this topic. Rubens had a very good, interesting quote as well. But yes, I, absolutely. A quote. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah, this particular quote is uh, right in line with my purpose and many others, probably uh, those of us who are on the show today that want to help others and help the planet. And likewise, many companies also share a common purpose to help others. And the more we align in our communities, our states, our countries, and even globally, we'll be able to overcome many of the issues we face today, uh, whether it's hunger or sustainability or even economic prosperity. So this goes across government, this goes across companies, and of course, all the ecosystem players within a city. Very interesting. I, I love the way Rubens used the word amazing in terms of purpose. And we're talking about companies and cities and organizations, but add value to the people of this generation. Um, do you think the word reinventing, which is the title of this new series, Dante, do you think people need to reinvent themselves to fully get on board with this concept of having purpose and making a profit so we can survive? What, what's your thought? I don't think they have to reinvent themselves. I think most mm-hmm. people have some type of purpose in their lives, and it's really around priorities and uh, company priorities, incentivization, and also the um, ability to have empathy for others that are possibly not in a, a great situation like some others are uh, that are in better situations around the planet. Thank you very much. Glad to have you back. Thrilled to have you on the panel. We have a lot more to hear from you. And now let's bring on our third guest. He's another newcomer to Game Changers, Stephen Jameson at SAP in Northern Europe. And Stephen has sent me a quote from, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce this name, Stephen. You may have to help me. Kalu Ndukwe Kalu, a Nigerian-born American political scientist specializing in comparative institutional development, national security policy, and organizational Systems. He has written several books. I've got five of them listed here in my notes. And here's the quote Stephen has selected. The things you do for yourself are gone when you are gone, but the things you do for others remain as your legacy. Stephen Jameson, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm a little bit uh, jet-lagged. I've flown back from uh, the U.S. or from Bermuda, and uh, I'm now in London. And... Um, I'm uh, very pleased to be here and delighted to be here amongst your other guests. Well, we're delighted to have you. Talk to me about this quote, and how did you find it? Kalu Ndukwe, I hope I said that right. Kalu, how did you come across this quote? It's a very unusual one. 
Yeah, well, it's one of the quotes I sort of stumbled across one day, really. No, no particular um, reason, but uh, it was one that just sort of resonated with me uh, immensely. Um, I, uh, I, I, I've sort of, I guess over the last couple of years, um, as my sort of children have got a bit older, you start to reflect on where you're going with life in general and being much more guided by, you know, the kind of the, the thoughts of the future I want to leave to, say, my children. And so uh, this really resonates with me personally in terms of, um, you know, what kind of life I want to lead and, and, and how I want to um, go about my day-to-day business so such that it has a positive impact, a net positive impact on on the next generation rather than uh, a net negative, which, you know, could be argued as, as, as what's happened over, over recent generations historically. Um, so that's, uh, that's my, yeah, that's my thought. Thank you very much. I usually wait to ask guests where they are, but since you brought it up, Stephen, you have a fascinating story. I just want you to tell us where you've been for the past five days. I think our listeners will be fascinated with it. Just tell us, and then we'll, I'll go about uh, going back to Rubens, and we'll start with where is he and what's his favorite drink. And Rubens, I'm preparing you here, and, and what his job is, what his role is. But, Stephen, where have you been? Uh, so I've spent the last five days. Um, on a science research ship, uh, an, an Antarctic icebreaker, um, not in Antarctica, but in uh, the cent- uh, mid-Atlantic, uh, in the North Atlantic Gyre. And uh, we spent the last five days uh, in a, a floating research vessel with 170 people from across the corporate world, the science world, the NGO world, and, and many other worlds to uh, explore the issue of ocean plastics. And uh, we've been researching in the field and we've been coming up with ideas and solutions and um, some really exciting things to uh, talk about in the school. Thank you very much. We're very, very happy. You and I had, had a, were quite challenged with our schedules and our time zones to get connected. I met you a few minutes ago and very, very happy to have you here. Very exciting panel. So, Rubens Costa, I gave you a heads up, and now we're going to find out who our three panelists really are. Rubens, three questions. Where in the world are you today? In general, we don't need the Google map coordinates of your house or your office. We want to know, what's your favorite drink? That I know you're a happy person. I can see it in your photo you sent me. What What do you love to drink? It doesn't have to be a daytime drink. It could be an after-work drink. And what is your role and what is Signify? So tell me a little bit about those, please. Okay, I'll start where I am. I am in Philadelphia today, and actually I'm attending an event uh, called the LFI. It's a light fair event in Philadelphia. And I'm having the privilege to talk about connected lighting and how connected Mm. lighting impacts the lights in the city. Um, That's where I am today. Okay, and what do you love to drink? Oh, um, I love a, a good wine. However, one of my favorite drinks is called Caipirinha. It's a Brazilian drink. It's made of a Brazilian rum of sugar cane, um, a little lime, a little sugar, and a splash of club soda. What I think is very delicious about that drink, in addition to the taste, is the ability to prepare the drink with a friend. Um, some mm. details such as uh, peeling off the lime, and you have somebody to help you to do that. To do that. But it's make it together with someone and enjoying together with someone. Uh, it's interesting that I, after I reading, um, after uh, I'm defining what my favorite drink is, is also another way to connect with people. So 
it's interesting that this drink bring me to the level of connecting with other people as well, not just enjoying the nice drink. That's lovely. That's a lovely story. Thank you for that connection connection. I like that a lot. <laughs> Go ahead. And now, what is Signify? I've never heard of it until I saw it in your bio. So what, what is the company and what do you do? Very good. Signify is uh, <clears throat> former Philips Lighting. So to, make, to understand what Signify did, it's very similar to what Google did. They create Alphabet as the mothership company, and mm-hmm. uh, Google became a brand name. So Philips create Signify, which is the main company, and Philips became a brand name. And for, uh, for you, uh, Philips, as you may know, <clears throat> creates several patents from the CD to the cassette tape player. But today, we are the second source of light in the world. We only lose to the sun. So we are present mm. in all continents, and we have now our main push is, again, is for connected light indoors or outdoors. But it's when um, my it's actually one of my goals here this week is to talk about lighting when it goes beyond illumination. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Proud to know you. Dante Ricci, catch us up. Where are you? What's your favorite drink? Does it help you connect with people? Doesn't have to, but I like the story from Rubens. And tell me, what have you been up to at SAP since we spoke last? Yeah, I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm in Virginia, outside of D.C. That's where I live, work out of the house, sometimes go into the office. Um, We have a great D.C. office and a rest in Virginia office. And uh, typically what I like to drink um, depends on who I'm with. So if uh, my wife and I love to go to Starbucks, um, Mm -hmm. my kids love Starbucks, and I love a a big uh, cappuccino with cinnamon on top. That's Mm. that's always nice. Although I'd like to uh, try the drink Rubens was talking about. It would be great to make drinks with, uh, with someone and sit out in the sunshine and watch the waves. In the ocean, that would be my it's, favorite. <laughs> it's poetic, isn't it? <laughs> drink when I'm warm and sitting by the water. I'm, nice. uh, I'm, <clears throat> I know you know about SAP in my particular mm. area. I work for SAP Public Sector in the Smart Cities Group, and within that, we work with Signify as one of our partners, as well as mm-hmm. many other companies, to try to help improve lives and help organizations in the public sector and smart city area uh, run the best they can. Thank you very much. Good to have you. Has your job changed since I spoke with you last? You're st- I know you're still in global public sector, but anything anything new, any new technologies you're working with, uh, Dante? Well, some of the things that we're working with, uh, we actually have been working a lot with new technologies. One is in the Internet of Things area, mm-hmm. the, uh, specifically with Signify, just since uh, Ruben is here. We can talk a bit about, bit about that. We're, we've connected the smart light pole that... Uh, Signify has back to the SAP Analytics Cloud, which allows us to take in different data about uh, whatever sensors that are on that light pole, whether it be particulate sensors, uh, camera information, information about uh, the light light condition itself, Mm -hmm. and bring that into the Analytics Cloud. Do some location intelligence with that, analyze, uh, bring some other different data sources together to analyze how that all uh, would fit within a smart city ecosystem. Could be bringing traffic information in and uh, public sector, inf- public security information, accident information, and, and you can really start getting a full picture of 
the operations and the governance of a city. So it's pretty exciting seeing that. We're also using machine learning quite a bit to start working with uh, chatbots and uh, voice recognition to be able to work out in the field um, and extend that mobile capability at the point Mm -hmm. of interaction. Thank you very much, Dante. Great to catch up with you. And now one more stop around the table to our third panelist, Stephen Jameson at SAP in Northern Europe. Stephen, we've already heard a little bit about what you've been up to, but let's start at the very beginning. Uh, where are you right now? You think you said you're in London. Um, are you settled in a, are you on the way to something else or, or is this where you're based? And what's your favorite drink? And tell me what your exact role is. Sure. So, um, yes, I'm in London now, and this is my home. I'm in my mm-hmm. home city. Um, and um, I, uh, my favorite drink, um, I think this is probably in the, inspired by the last few days, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with a dark and stormy, uh-huh. um, which, if you haven't had it, is um, uh, a gosling flat seal rum uh, with a um, ginger beer. And um, the reason for choosing it is, uh, yesterday, we departed, disembarked our uh, research ship, uh, and a small group of us who were getting the flight back to London uh, went to uh, a very special uh, place called the Swizzle Inn in, in Bermuda. It's a very uh, well-known landmark. And uh, we sat there on a, on a veranda in the sun overlooking the sea with a dark and stormy and reflected on the on what we'd just done and, and, and on... Um, what we believe we've achieved, which is a clear, coherent plan as to how we will um, help to remove ocean plastics from the ocean and return it to pre-1990 levels by 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a, a real moment and uh, as such defines my favourite drink. The, well, um, yes. <laughs> in terms of what, what I do... I think mm-hmm. I've probably got a little bit of flavour of what I do in terms of my kind of role, in terms of what I've been doing the last few days. I don't, it's, not, it's not all spent on research ships, I'll, I'll confess. But um, I, uh, so my role is to lead uh, sustainable business innovation um, in, uh, in the Northern Europe uh, business. My, um, what that really means is working with our customers um, to help them to execute their own sustainability strategies using innovation technologies. Um, and uh, I've been very uh, occupied with the uh, the plastics challenge over the last uh, 12 to 14 months or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're working around, around, across a range of topics alongside that, and across the region we're working on everything from food waste to um, preventing rainforest destruction uh, through to um, uh, looking at the issue of climate change and the role of our business and customers in, in tackling that. So um, really exciting uh, place to be and um, very, uh, very inspiring uh, um, role to have on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. You lead a very interesting life. I looked up Dark and Stormy and I have, I'm watching this GIF go over and over and over again of this man's hands with the jigger pouring Gosling's Black Seal Rum into a glass with ice. And they say lime is important and it's just three ingredients. It's a fill a tall glass with ice cubes, add your rum, two ounces of dark rum, pour in the three ounces of ginger beer in the lime juice, stir with a spoon, garnish with the lime wedge. And just let me read you a little history here, Stephen. I, I think this is interesting. The dark 
dark and stormy cocktail was not born from the windy blackness of London, nor was it created in a bar room catering to the alcoholic needs of woebegone writers. In fact, it has nothing to do with literature and Gothic language. It's a drink that came to be in the Caribbean or Caribbean waters, where rum is plentiful and so are sailors. It's a drink that was spit out by the sea, more or less. It's a drink with a really cool name. Do you like that? I like that description, Stephen? <laughs> a very, very apt description. Good. I'm glad. Well, I, I will tell you two little stories here. First of all, I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Dante knows I, I moved here from Long Island, New York, where I was the last 32 years. I've been here a little more than a year and a half. I am not allowed to drink caffeinated beverages on radio show days, so all I have here is cool, clear water. But I have to confess, Stephen, that uh, on NPR, which is the only news-slash-intelligent radio station I can get down here when I'm in the car, which is not very often. I heard a report by two world-class swimmers, two women who were, I'll say, uh, swimming performers, acrobatic swimmers, racing swimmers, and they took some plastics from the ocean and and put them into some kind of a pool as a test. They took a a collection of, of the junk, the gunk, and they found that they were unable to do any of their moves. They were hardly able to breathe. They couldn't dive. They couldn't do anything. And the report was on they're saying, if we can't do it as humans, imagine what it's doing to the fish and all the creatures in the sea. So based on that, and I also heard something about plastic straws. Stephen, I have to confess, I always drink my water during the radio show with a plastic straw. Last week, on my Thursday trip to the, to the supermarket, when they have a 5%, I won't tell you why, discount for people like me, yes, redheads, sure, uh, I bought paper straws, and the name of the straws is Compostable. They are very expensive. Instead of 50 to a box, it's something like 25. They're very pretty, but they say they will go back into the earth. They are biodegradable, compostable, and they're not going to gunk up the sea. So, Stephen, I want you to know that I have made the commitment, whatever the cost, to stop using plastic straws. Are you proud of me, Stephen Jameson? I I really am proud of you, yes. That's a a quite nice story. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, yes, so that's all I'm going to say. So I'm drinking my water, and this is my second radio show today. And we're talking, we're debuting a brand new series. It's very exciting. Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers Radio. It's a broad topic. It's a big topic to get your arms around, but it's a digital world. Everything is transforming and changing. What are we doing about where we're living, how we're living, who we're living, what we're leaving as a legacy? I have three very smart minds, very savvy, articulate men, gentlemen on my show today to debut this new series, Rubens Costa at Phillips Lighting Signify, Dante Ricci at SAP, and Stephen Jameson at SAP. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do even deeper dive into our topic of smart cities. And our topic today, just so you know, is good business at the intersection of profit and purpose. And I'm going to ask my panelists when we come back after the break if we should change that around to good business at the intersection of purpose and profit. I have a feeling we're going to get some really interesting answers. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. However you found us, we're glad to have you here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So 90 seconds, we'll be right back. Aaron out. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In a world of digital disruption, the volume of data is endless. It's changing the way we live and work. What do you want to do with it? 
Get end-to-end visibility and transparency, predictive insights, drive operational excellence, increase profits, realize the digital promise today. Let's get started. Reinventing life and business with Game Changers brings you insights from the forward-thinking technology leaders who are making that happen. We'll delve into what it means to digitally transform your business from the top floor to the shop floor. We'll discuss how innovation is impacting every facet of life and business. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top innovation and strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how intelligent technologies are shaping the future for all of us. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to reinventing life and business with Game Changers. That's exactly what we're doing, reinventing life and business. Before I start the roundtable, I want to go around the table quickly. First, Rubens Costa at Phillips Lighting Signify. Should we change the title of this episode from Good Business at the Intersection of Profit and Purpose to Purpose and Profit? Rubens, quickly tell me what's your thought on that. Yeah, I would say it's totally connected with the quote that I mentioned before where we do, when we do things with our passion, when we do things with our heart, we are, uh, we have in our destiny great work. So I would say uh, purpose and then profit. Yes, I like that. Thank you. I like that too. Dante Ritchie, you're up next. You don't have to agree with Rubens and me. What do you think, Dante? Profit and purpose or purpose and profit? I say uh, it doesn't really matter because they're intertwined. Mm-hmm. If you have good purpose, the profits will come. And if you have uh, profit without purpose, I think your your company, your organization will fall behind and dissipate eventually. Ooh, okay. That's a warning, fair warning. Stephen Jameson, profit and purpose or purpose and profit? Uh, profit and uh, – sorry, purpose and profit, I should say. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. um, actually, I saw some research a little while ago which had um, – uh, that 56%, I think it was, of UK consumers uh, now make their purchasing decisions based on profit for, or purpose first. And that's actually up 20% in the last 12 months. There's a real trend for an increasing of consumer appetite for purpose-based decisions. That was interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you to the three of you. I'll say so uh, unofficially, officially, two out of three, we're going to change it to purpose and profit, the two Ps. Now, let's go to our formal roundtable. Rubens Costa sent me the following information. He sent me some great notes on the topic. We're going to start with this one. Rubens says, a journey to the smart city vision. Several cities have the vision to be smart, but they do not have a plan. Rubens, would you please tell us what you have in mind with this, and then we'll see what Dante and Stephen have to say. Go ahead, Rubens. Yeah, it's uh, very interesting because working with several cities across the United States, I can tell that several of them uh, do have the vision to become a smart city. The difficult part is the plan to, to be able to execute that plan, to be able to put actions behind of that plan and get to a point that they uh, will start to achieve and to realize what a smart city really is. So most of the time their journey is it's actually backwards because they are so influenced by uh, 
how can I say, solution providers or maybe product sales uh, mm-hmm. team that goes there to deliver that solution don't even understand really what the problem they're trying to solve. So if they would put a strategy in mind where problems or priorities first, what they, were, they are trying to solve, what problems they are trying to address, I think they would have a much more, um, how can I say, sustainable um, uh, vision than this shortcoming of coming with technology first. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I have a city, uh, without saying names, but I had a city that they challenged us to provide a solution with sensors on the street to detect noise. So we we put uh, quite a bit of uh, an effort together, and we put uh, we spent quite a bit of a budget as well, and we came up with a solution to detect noise across the city, and we delivered that to them. Imagine like a type of a heat map with areas of high noise, and then we said, okay, now shall we implement that to the entire city? And they look at us and said, unfortunately, oh, the department that is uh, interested on this doesn't have any budget, and we are not going to be able to proceed. So I walk away, and I said, got to have some lessons learned here, right? And my point was, if we are, instead of providing uh, things that are nice to have, we start to provide things that they must have, Mm -hmm. would be a great difference. Right. If we would solve a problem, if that problem could be uh, related to traffic or related to road conditions or related to even citizen satisfaction, and we can see that what they are spending today trying to solve that problem, spending quite a bit of a budget, and we come up with a solution that we address that problem and will cost much less the city addressing that problem, implementing the right technology, that could be really a, a formulation for success. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I I love the idea that even cities have to start with a plan. You just can't say, oh, I think we'll be a smart city tomorrow. Not going to happen. Dante Ritchie, agree or disagree with Ruben Costa's point of view? What do you think? I agree uh, with with Ruben. It's not as easy to execute as we think, though, because I I really think about three different factors. One is the vision. Mm-hmm. and everybody to buy into that vision, which in this today's political environment doesn't always occur. The policy that allows you to pull the trigger on something like uh, Rubens was talking about, to be able to tie it back to key performance indicators to show that that particular program will help these different aspects of a city, sometimes the policy even on the procurement side is hard to deal with. So we have to change policy along with the vision and then there's a culture change as well. It mm-hmm. could go from the mayor all the way through to the different ecosystem providers, whether it's the vendors that provide the city services or the government workers within the uh, city infrastructure, to be able to think about uh, more of a programmatic pro- uh, approach to execute that vision, somehow to orchestrate with their partners, with utilities, transit, automotive, telcos, financial services, retailers, it goes on and on. You have to align with them. You have to align on policy, culture, and vision. Ah, very interesting. I like the bringing of the culture in there. Who are the people who are sharing the vision? Am I right, Dante? Are they all on yeah. board with that vision? Are they coming from, say, we love diversity, we love inclusion, but if the culture for changes, you said, isn't all there and everybody isn't on board, you might have some clashes. Stephen Jameson, interesting conversation. Please join us. What do you think? 
I think um, the, 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 the sort of smart city debate sometimes looks at it, looks at those things with the wrong lens. And I think there's an opportunity um, in cities in general. And I'm, I'm thinking of London, but you know, given where I am, you know, 17,000 people a year die prematurely due to uh, air quality, due to uh, particulate matters and, and uh, NOx fumes. And there's a real opportunity to engage with citizens and kind of look after the, the citizen experience much more um, on a much more granular level and provide, you know, citizens with insights on air quality based on, um, on you know, the air quality of, uh, of their particular area. And I know um, uh, Signified do this sort of work as well in terms of having sort of air quality uh, sensors in, in, in lampposts. And I think there's a real opportunity there to sort of disrupt big mm-hmm. challenges like air quality that kill thousands and thousands of people um, and really make a difference. Um, and I think there's a way of engaging the public in that sort of um, in that sort of initiative, uh, which is yet being explored. Thank you very much, Rubens. Good conversation around the table. Anything you'd like to add? Anybody you want to comment back to or challenge? What do you think? No, I really appreciate the comments <clears throat> and all these. Uh, the, you know, the policy, the culture, the vision. Um, that Dante mentioned, and, and even the technology to address some of the key problems that the cities are having today, um, you know, such as pollution, as, as was mentioned as well, I think it's so interesting because uh, this vision does not have a fixed target. The smart city vision is something that will change and will be, um, uh, it, it, how can I say, it, it's a fluid objective. And with the time that uh, these problems and these needs of the, of the cities will change with time as well. So be able to provide solutions to them today, but at the same time implementing a grid or infrastructure that will allow you to address problems in the future, that is going to be so strategic. Because today some of these technologies are available and we can solve some of these problems. But once we have uh, what we call the connected lighting on the street, then mm-hmm. you are open a gate for future integration in more a sustainable solution because you got what is needed for implementing future solutions. Number one is power. Number two is connectivity. So with those two Future, future technologies will be able to implement it, such as, and you mentioned one already, the pollution detection that we can do mm-hmm. today, but very soon we will be able to do road conditions where we can detect if there is ice on the road, if there is flooding or just snow. That is not just to facilitate traffic, but it also optimizes the use of um, salt and sand that they dispense on the streets or during the snowstorms. So you're not uh, providing um, efficient way to address some of these problems, but you now start to impact the citizens that live in the city and giving them a better quality of life. Thank you. You you know, I come from New York, Rubens, and uh, I was mentioning on my show earlier this morning, we were talking about the future of cars and the changes to business models and new entrance into the automotive industry and what's happening with all of the challenges, the new technologies, ride sharing and electric cars and self-driving and all that. And I, I was mentioning that uh, when I was in New York, I really couldn't get my sports car over about 
40 miles an hour on the Long Island Expressway, if you're familiar with New York. It's called the world's longest parking lot for a reason, okay? Posted speed is 55. You're lucky if you can do 10 during rush hour. And I'm down here in North Carolina, and I had to trade my sports car in because I didn't feel comfortable doing 80 to 85 on the highways here because that's not the speed limit, but that's what everybody does. So it's just nice to know that there are places where you can open up and enjoy the roadways in, in many cities and surrounding areas you simply can't that's just a sidebar thank you all good discussion Dante I'm looking at your notes and I have some a good news statement here I think it's your fourth statement you sent me you say the good news is there are exemplars leveraging intelligent technologies to help the world run better across every industry and every geography and you threw a couple of examples at me I'm going to let you pick one or two and explain you say New England New Zealand EPA Hakusan Vectus Edicia Buenos Aires Step Up for Students, Arizona Helping Hands, Goodwill. So you want to pick two, Dante? This was a great list. It would take up a whole show, I think. What would you like to explain to us? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So when you think of smart cities, it's an industry within multi- with multiple industries. So let's just take Hakusan, for instance. Hakusan is a, is a private company. It is based in Japan. And what they use, what they do is they use the uh, the people's smartphones to understand vibrations from earthquakes. So from minor tremors all the way to serious events, they can start looking at the monitoring measures of that shaking and then estimate the structural integrity of buildings uh, and then send people alerts about the structural integrity due to those particular seismic activity. So that's very purpose-driven, helping Mm. a lot of people. And uh, really kind of an inexpensive way to just uh, have people as sensors or really phones as sensors. Really interesting. Uh, The second one, that's an interesting choice. I think I'll go with Buenos Aires because Buenos Aires, what they've done is this is more a city governance or city government uh, focus. They had uh, 30,000 water tunnels uh, underneath their city, and uh, they had multiple floods over the years during the rainy season. They had to figure out how they keep these these uh, large water tunnels clear. So they put in 30,000, uh, I don't know how many th- uh, thousands of uh, sensors, excuse me, and uh, they figured out, okay, here's the water velocity, here's the water height, and if we have somebody on site, they have a mobile device, they can take photos. They can uh, give information back and do inspections on site so they can really kind of unclog the city, if you will, during these rainstorms and uh, save lives, essentially helping people using uh, simple sensor technology to be able to locate where the, the uh, stoppages are. So those are tr- two great examples. I love the examples. Give me one more. You were really brief and to the point. I want one more. I'm, I'm really uh, into listening to you talk about these. What's another one from this list that you could tell us about? New Zealand EPA? Yeah, step Up for Students. Okay, Step Student. Go ahead. Yeah. Step Up for Students is really interesting. What they're doing is they're taking a spend management application called SAP Ariba. And they're, instead of using it just to buy items, which many of our customers do, it's a digital marketplace to buy and, and sell items. They're using it to, use, to build out a, a simple, efficient administration of scholarships to low-income and special-needs students. So that's a really interesting story. It's a, just a reuse of, the, of a particular technology. If you, you earlier used the word reinvention, that's a reinvention mm-hmm. of a, a current technology, finding a, a gap 
where there was an experience gap and filling that gap with some uh, new way to use the same technology. Interesting. Let me ask you a question, Dante. I'm going to go around the table and ask Stephen if he has any other examples in Rubens. But my question is, what kind of a person sits at a t- goes goes sits at a table or gathers some people say, hey, "I have this great idea. We've got this technology. It's in people's phones. It's so logical. Why don't we use it to analyze ground vibrations? Yeah, we could leverage technology that's already out there in a brand new way and benefit." cities all over the world. Let's get together, raise some funds, put some development time into it, and see if we can help people. Who are these people who come up with these ideas that are almost waiting to be created, Dante? Are these people who are, are these millennials, are these retirees who have nothing else to do? I'm looking for the DNA of the people who are doing these things to make the world run better. What's your thought? Uh, Well, there's a couple ingredients. The first is Typically, an idea is not thought of in a silo, so people that are a part of the community and have a a similar purpose usually work together. And they also, within it's an organization, they typically work with lots of different partners to figure out uh, the pain points. It it could come from a particular uh, experience gap. So we saw Uber and Airbnb and Amazon. People weren't getting taxis the way they wanted to. They weren't. They, instead of standing out in the rain in, in New York City, they, they were able to figure out where to get a taxi or a ride mm-hmm. uh, without having to, to, to do it the old way, whistling down a taxi or um, <laughs> with Amazon bring, getting things sent to your house. Uh, without having to go and sit through that traffic you're talking about. So it's the experience gap. And then the uh, second ingredient there is the uh, risk takers. So the individuals Mm -hmm. that are out there that actually go out on their own, and they may fail 95% of the time, but um, they're finding those issues and they're, they're, they're testing them out. And they're using intelligent technologies like machine learning, like mobility, like uh, advanced analytics, predictive, AI, you name it. They're, u- they're using these in different unique ways to find new solutions. And some of them really uh, take off. Very exciting. <sighs> Stephen Jameson, I'm out of breath thinking about how excited I am about these. Stephen Jameson, thoughts about the examples Dante had? Do you have any more to add? What's your thought about the DNA of the, the people who say, ah, that's a good idea. What can I do to help? What's your thought? It's a great question because I've just spent a few days with, um, with a, a, a guy in his, his, his mid-20s. Uh, he's called Andrew Almack, and he's the CEO of a, a, a startup, or an NGO, you could call it, called Plastics for Change. Um, and he uh, lives in Bangalore. Uh, mm-hmm. He grew up in Canada. And uh, he was researching for his PhD in, uh, in India and Indonesia and realized that through that problem understanding, uh, he realized that there, there was a requirement for him to create a startup. And so he's mm-hmm. created Plastics for Change. Now, if you think um, a lot of the ocean plastics actually come from uh, a fairly small number of rivers in Asia, uh, one of which um, is around uh, resource through from Bangalore. And uh, this is where he's created his startup, which is, which is where Bangalore is growing massively quickly. And I think they have something like a doubling of their uh, amount of waste output into their city each year, um, which is, if you imagine, just un, you know, an un, unmanageable situation and they don't have the infrastructure investment uh, to meet it. So he's working with the informal economy there. Uh, the waste pickers, the people that are actually um, trying to make a real livelihood for themselves uh, by working with um, people like Andrew to uh, connect 
the demand for plastic materials uh, that come from, you know, major brands all around the world with the people in the emerging markets who are willing, able, want to go out and collect those materials from people's homes and to ensure that they can get around uh, the challenges of not having a sufficient waste system. So really uh, innovative and it, it builds in so much uh, protection and looks after the sort of ethical dimensions of people and making sure that everything is done properly. Um, and then working with us with the Ariba Network to then connect that into the supply chain. Uh, and they've just launched a product in the body shop uh, in London. Uh, they, re- they released a new range based on uh, social plastic coming from his sourcing in the last week. So really inspiring story from an inspiring individual. Very much inspiring. You know what? We're almost out of time, and I want to get to Rubens. I want you to comment on this question I posed to Dante and Stephen, the DNA of people who are sitting, standing, looking, observing, waking up in the middle of the night with a, an iPad and, a, and a, a stylus by their bed and saying, I have a great idea. I think I'll change the world. And they're actually doing it. What's your thought? Who are these people? Yeah, that, uh, that I, I think what I hear, and I, I really believe is uh, the necessity makes the perfection. I think I hear that from mm. my daddy like, probably like 40 years ago. And I see that more and more. So it becomes the necessity uh, that becomes the, the father of the inventions, right? So mm-hmm. you saw the examples, one of the examples giving, like, for instance, the Uber. <clears throat> I totally believe in it. When you have a problem, that problem is painful enough, and you have that mix of the risk-taker uh, background person on that, um, and then you come with innovations. You come with the creativity. That comes to fruition to that. Thank you very much. Guess what? I think we're all going to have to get together some other time to finish up. I did want to get to, Stephen, one of your statements. You say sustainability begins and ends with citizen consumers. Experience management provides a unique opportunity to engage consumers in the sustainability of their consumption behaviors. The brands that work this out fastest will win most in the long term. I'm just going to have to leave it there because we don't have time to talk about it. But because we didn't get to you on one of your statements, Stephen, I'm going to let you start the predictions round. So we'll do Stephen and then Rubens and then Dante, I have 60 seconds exactly for each of you. So let's talk about the future. And you might want to talk about plastics in the ocean, Stephen, whatever is up to you. 60 seconds, predict what will change between now and 2025. Mr. Jameson, go ahead. So I think I've got quite a positive outlook between now and 2025. I think that by then, uh, we will have largely uh, uh, solved the uh, plastic crisis uh, and the plastic pollution issue in our oceans. Um, I think it'll probably take until about 2030 in practice to kind of get there, but um, I think we've now got a very clear understanding of some of the of the issues, and I think there's a appetite and willingness um, multinationally to, to solve it. Um, there's a uh, there's a there's a piece of research which is about to come out which says that a 20% reduction per year for the next seven years of uh, plastics going into the, these small number of rivers in Asia will lead mm-hmm. to a uh, return of ocean plastics to pre-1990 levels. So it's uh, not necessarily the biggest impact that might have the most fundamental change there. So I'm quite hopeful and um, I'm uh, optimistic about the future. I like optimism a lot. Let's go around the table to Rubens Costa. 60 seconds, that's all we've got. What do you predict, Mr. Costa? I see... Um, um, 
quite a bit of this technology be implemented, right? So you're going to see a lot of things more connected, lighting more connected, uh, appliances more connected. But at the end of the day, I would say in 20 years down the road, I will see the human being way more connected and more connected for a better planet. And my colleague here, Steve, mentioned that. Uh, I think it's so important. We need to be more conscious about our planet. Uh, we need to educate people on the use of our resources so that our next generation will see a better world. More connected, not just the things, but also as human beings and the benefit of the planet. I love that. Great. Dante Ricci, you get the last. Oh, you could have 90 seconds. They were so concise. Dante, Ooh, it's it's Christmas it. on Game Changers. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, think I, I agree with the connectivity aspect of it. So we could look at all kinds of different uh, slices of the pie, and I can just pick one, like autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. I know that we're going more towards electric vehicles and then the autonomous vehicle. And as safety and privacy issues get resolved, they'll be used more and more. The question is, how do we intertwine that profit and purpose? What private companies will and government organizations will help us move towards the vision to reduce greenhouse gases, to, to, to re- reduce the traffic within urban environments? And I think we have to never forget that prosperity, prosperity, resilience, sustainability, safety, they're all intertwined in this in this culture that we have to go through. And in the long run, we won't be able to survive and thrive as a society if we ignore one of those particular factors. So with autonomous vehicles, safety, sustainability, resilience, and, of course, there has to be a prosperity component. Otherwise, um, people aren't incentivized to possibly use that. That's right. There you go. Thank you very much, my three extraordinarily smart, savvy, and articulate and thoughtful panelists on the debut of our new series. Michelle Hickey, Vivian Wang, you both worked very hard to put this together, and I think we had a, I know, we had a great kickoff episode, Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers Radio. We'll be broadcast live every couple of weeks here on Wednesdays on the Business Channel, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and it is sharing the time slot with several of our other Game Changers series. So just make a point of marking your calendar Wednesday, Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, any time zone you want. Find us here. We always have an interesting Game Changers show. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thrilled to be here. Always happy to be on the radio with real Game Changers. So here's my call to action. Fasten- oh, and shout out, by the way, to Aaron, Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire, who is a Game Changer at World Talk Radio on the Business Channel. Thank you, Aaron, for getting us on the radio and keeping us there. Now I can do my closing. Fasten your seatbelt talking about cars, Dante. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Rubens Costa at Phillips Lighting Signify. Just like Dante Ricci at SAP. Just like Stephen Jameson at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back soon with another Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Reinventing Life and Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.